Wow, December sure is a crazy month, isn't it? Something about Christmas that just seems to consume the whole month. We spend it in a frenzy of activity and planning. Here at our church at Forward, many of you know we've been so busy planning Christmas community meals, delivering Christmas cards and poinsettias to members of our church who are shut in and can't make it out, planning Christmas parties and cookie exchanges and preparing for our, for our Advent Sundays, picking songs and preparing sermons. And one of the Sundays we had the children minister to us with a wonderful song that Beth and the other children's leaders put a lot of work into along with the kids. We had a baptism one of the Sundays. It's been crazy around here. It's been good and busy. And then at my house, like many of yours as well, it just continued to be busy at home as well. We've been buying and wrapping gifts. We've been planning family get-togethers. We've been dealing with children who in my house seem to be more sick than healthy in December. And on and on. And tomorrow is the big day. It's the culmination of all the busyness and preparation and planning. Well, actually, that's, that's not really true. Because tomorrow, my family, Becky and I, and our kids will have Christmas, and we have some of my family there. But then on Boxing Day, we're going to my sister's house and having Christmas with my entire side of the family. And then on the 27th, we'll be with Becky's side of the family. And tomorrow is the beginning of the culmination <laughs> of all the preparation and planning. We have an exciting and busy week coming up. But did you know that Christmas is also the, the beginning of the culmination of all of God's preparation and planning? Ever since God created the world, God has been at work putting together his plan. That plan came to its climax with Jesus, and Christmas is the beginning of the climax. At our church over the past four Sundays, as I said at the beginning, we have been talking about the plan that God put together. We've looked at the big moments in that plan that were marked by God making promises or covenants, the Bible calls them, with his people. And that these covenants, they kind of form the backbone of the story of the Bible. And they point us forward to the climax of the story, which is Jesus. We started at the beginning of December with God's covenant to Noah. After the flood, God made a promise to give us grace, to be patient with our sin and not just punish us right away like we deserve. The next week after that, we looked at God's covenant with Abraham, when God promised not only to not punish sin right away, but to go the other direction and bless the world through the family of Abraham. Last Sunday, we looked at the covenant that God made with Moses when he promised that Abraham's descendants, who were at that time a nation, the nation of Israel, that they would belong to him and live with God. But in that promise, they also had a part to play too. They needed to obey God and be righteous. And this morning, we looked at God's covenant with David, the king, when God promised that one of David's descendants would be the king forever and lead God's, uh, lead God's people to follow him. You know, if you read the story of the Bible, God kept those covenant promises but God's people didn't always keep their end of the promises. They didn't, they didn't live up to their end of the deal. They sinned over and over and over again, and, and in pretty horrific ways sometimes. Even the kings, the descendants of David who were supposed to lead the people to follow God, actually led the people away from God often. And so God made the people a new promise. 
A promise that one day he would make a final, one final covenant with them that would fix everything, fix all the problems. We read the words of this promise at the beginning of our service today from the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 31, this promise reads, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. God says, one day, I'm going to make a new covenant with you, because these old covenants haven't helped you to change. And this one will be different. He continues and describes how this covenant will be different in Jeremiah 31, verse 33. He says, this covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. God says, instead of giving you a law to follow or instructions so that you can know who I am and how, how you ought to live, I'm going to write this in your mind and on your heart so that you do know me and you want to follow me. I'm going to transform you from the inside out, says God, and I'm going to forgive your sins and never remember them. This is a beautiful promise that God makes to us. It's a promise of transformation, of forgiveness, and as we said at the beginning, a promise of holiness, that we will be holy. I mean, think about this. If God can pull this off, if God can do this, then he wouldn't have to punish our sin. Our sin would be forgiven, and we would be changed. We would have peace with God rather than being at odds with him. But how is he going to pull it off? Well, as we already said, he accomplished it at the beginning uh, beginning with Christmas, when he sent his son, Jesus, into the world as a human. Now, you know the story of Christmas, but listen again to what the angels said to the shepherds on that night. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, we, the shepherds are on the hills, and the angels appear to them, and we read these words. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, understand what this angel is saying. He said, there's no need to be afraid. Don't be afraid even though now there's an angel in front of you because I'm here to bring you good news. The good news that's, that's going to bring joy. The news is that God's promises are going to come true. They're coming true right now. That God's plan is coming to its climax. That God's patience and grace with sin is about to pay off. Why is all that true? Because a child has just been born. That must have been shocking to the shepherds. Well, who is this child? The angel says he's a savior. The one who will rescue us from what is wrong in the world. Well, how will he do that? How will he save us or rescue us? 
the angel says that this child has come to bring peace on earth. Listen, this is really important. Listen to what he says in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, here's the verse I want you to hear, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That message that the, the chorus of angels brings is peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. Jesus came to bring peace. Now, doesn't that sound good? We could all use peace. Our world could use peace. Our families could use peace. But the angels didn't say that this peace comes for everybody. Not everyone's going to get it. The angels said that this peace is for those who have God's favor. Those with whom God is pleased. Now, I know that might not sit well with some of us, because we like to think of God a little bit like Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus threatens to give coal, but he never follows through on that, right? I've never heard of a kid, but he says, who are those that have God's favor? Who are the ones with whom God is pleased? How do we get on that side of the line? Well, Jesus' life shows us. In fact, at the end of his life, we read in Luke chapter 22, on the night before Jesus is betrayed, arrested, and crucified, we read how he shared a meal with his disciples. In that meal, Jesus did something that the disciples didn't understand at the time. He made an analogy. He took the bread that they were eating and the wine that they were drinking, and he said, this bread and this wine represents something. So as we read before, let me read again Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and, said, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus says, This meal is a way for you to remember me. It's a way for you to remember what I'm about to do for you. This bread represents my body that I'm about to give for you. This cup of wine represents my blood that I'm about to pour out and shed for you. But it doesn't only represent the blood. He says it represents what his death is all about. He says it's the new covenant in my blood. That his death, that his shedding of blood was bringing about the new covenant that God had promised long ago. His death was the fulfillment of God's promise to fix everything and transform us and deal with our sin. What Jesus is saying here is his death is the key to God's favor. His death is the key to peace. How does that work? Well, one final passage that we're going to look at briefly tonight, again, Hebrews chapter 9, explains that to us in some really solid detail. In this chapter that Aaron read for us just a second ago or a moment ago, the author of Hebrews has been talking about the old covenant, the sacrifices that were made, the covenant that God made with Moses involved when you sinned, you sacrificed an animal to God, and that sacrifice covered your sin. The animal acted as a substitute. He died for you in your place. But listen to what the passage says as it continues in Hebrews 9.14. 
So if, if, if an animal can do that, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? This, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, the, the blood of animals maybe in a ritual way can give you an outward kind of cleanness. It deals with sin in a, in a religious sort of ceremonial way. But it couldn't deal with the reality of sin that's deep in our hearts. The brokenness that we all have inside of us. So Jesus came to do better and to give us his blood for our sins. Now, we need to understand this. This, this uh, Advent season in our church, as we talked about these covenants, we've talked about Jesus as a man. He was a descendant of Abraham, who God made this promise with. He was a descendant of David, who God made this promise with. But even more important than that, he's not just a descendant of these men, but he's the son of God. And that's a deep and complicated reality, right? Jesus isn't God's son in the same way that he's a, he became a descendant of humans. He became a human son and grandson and great-grandson and all those other things when he was conceived and born as a human. But before that, before all time, for all of eternity, Jesus has always been God. Right? The Bible teaches that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that this three-in-one God is the God who made the plan for us, the plan to save us from our sin, the plan to bless us and bring peace on earth. And this verse in Hebrews 9, 14 shows us how our three-in-one God, how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did it. Let me read that for you again. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences, consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, became a human with a body and with blood. And then he offered himself as a human to God the Father as a perfect sacrifice. Perfect, without sin, without blemish. This verse says he offered himself through the Holy Spirit. Honestly, I don't know what that means. But the Holy Spirit was involved in the process in some way. And then it says that he did it to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. That's our sins. He didn't just cover our sins in a ritual way. He cleansed us, cleansed us from the inside, from our hearts, from our consciences. Those sins that we all have, that every single one of us has, would have led us to death, this passage says. We didn't have peace with God. Maybe you don't have peace with God right now. But Jesus took death for us. He gave up his peace and took death. And then he defeated death, sin, and hell, breaking their power by rising again to new life. And this verse says that as a result of what Jesus has done for us, we can serve and worship and love God. Hebrews 9.15 says, for this reason, because of what we just talked about, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. 
Through Jesus, we can have a new relationship with God. He's the mediator between us and his Father, the mediator of a new and better covenant. The covenant that deals with our sin, that brings us forgiveness and transformation. And it says that all who are called and believe, these are the ones that have God's favor and his forgiveness and peace. Friends, this is what God wants for you. Do you know that? God wants you to believe in Jesus so that he can give you his favor and forgive your sins. And not only forgive your sins, but change you from the inside out. And then you can have peace. This isn't a promise that your life won't still be hard at times. It will be. But you will have peace with God. And don't shrug that off. That's not boring or unimportant. This is the best news that there ever was. I know Christmas is exciting for lots and lots of reasons. One of my kids recently said, I know Christmas is about Jesus, but I'm just so excited about my presence. That's understandable. But what God offers to those who believe in Jesus It's so much better than a bunch of presents that you probably don't really need and a turkey dinner that will be too much food for you. This is the culmination of all his work and planning. The new covenant that Jesus bought by his blood, by offering his body to his Father as a sacrifice in our place. And Christmas is a celebration of when Jesus, the eternal God, the Son, took on a body and blood to become one of us so that he could do this for us. In all the busyness of this Christmas, let's take time to stop, to remember this, and to believe. Maybe for the first time for some of you. Oh, would that happen tonight? That would be so wonderful. Would you come to realize what you've been missing out on? And turn to God. Whether it's for the first time or whether it's continuing with more strength and more assurance each day. Would you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Would you be thankful? Let me pray and then we're going to sing some more Christmas carols and celebrate this truth. Oh, Heavenly Father, you have done such great work for us in all of human history planning this salvation that you set up through these covenants in history culminating in Jesus who by his blood brought a new and better covenant for us that won't just put aside sin and be patient, won't just give us a promise of blessing, but doesn't just cover our sins in a ritual way. But as King Jesus sat not on a throne but hung on a cross for us and his blood paid for our sins and he rose again and sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts We have transformation and forgiveness if we will just believe in him. Pray, Lord, that we would not ever forget that. And for those who here don't know it or who have walked away from it, maybe, Lord, that you would turn their hearts to you. They would see the beauty. Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see the beauty of this truth. As you open all of our eyes every day to remember and see afresh the beauty of your, your gospel and who you are. We pray for these things in Christ's name. Amen.